0: Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence, real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis.
1: Welcome back to the Think Orphan podcast. It's always such a pleasure to be able to have conversations with amazing people and really to get to talk with you out there, wherever you are listening. This really is a conversation with you. Brandon and I, I'm Phil Dark, your host, Brandon Stiver, who we're going to be able to hear from here in a minute. We just absolutely love having these amazing conversations with amazing people, and we have no doubt the work that you're doing is incredible out there as well. Hopefully what we're talking about today will help you as it hopefully has in the past as well. If you haven't gone back and listened to those other episodes, please do. But Brandon, bring you in right now, man. How you doing? I'm
2: doing okay, man. I'm, I'm doing, you know, we're, we're starting to wrap up summer. You know, it's just like, where, where has the summer gone? It's kind of crazy, you know, uh, but, but I'm doing, doing okay. Uh, got back from our summer travels. Uh, and you know, I, I I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast, but you know, living in East Africa for so long, you just figure like the wildlife and the insects are crazy. You know, Washington state holds its own. They got (laughs) crazier spiders here. And as I've unfortunately found out, uh, pretty, uh, pretty drug resistant fleas. Uh, so we got back from two weeks and found that uh, fleas that we were trying to treat on our dog have planted uh, eggs all in our carpet. Wow. So uh, just, you know, just the, the summer fumigation at the Stiver household. But nice. other than that, we're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, the, you know, real life folks, we don't hold back here as uh, you know, that's the, the constant, whether it was Kelly or, you know um, whether it was Karen or Rick, Brandon, me, consistently throughout. We're it's real life. We got things real going life. on. The, the funny thing to me right now is with our kids going back to school. My kids are like, "Oh man, I gotta go back to school." Last year, it was, "Can we please go back to school?" Right? Oh, you know. Sure. So it's all perspective. Right? I tried to. I was hoping they'd have that perspective again, going back to school. Like, okay, we get to go to school, but you know, it it, uh, it, it quickly remember what it was like before. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Um. But no, uh, hopefully, I, 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 will I have hear them. you. Yeah. Hopefully they'll have an amazing year. Um, be able to be in person the whole time, be able to connect with people, hopefully not have masks that much because you know what, it's really hard to see human human, other humans and how we're reacting and learning seeing facial expressions is so important as we on communication. So
2: mask or no mask. I know I'm looking forward to it. You know, I feel like at the end of summer we're always ready for our kids to go back to school. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, after having them, home so much more. I love my kids to death. I got four of them. They keep popping out. I don't know what's happening, but, uh, you know, uh, I am still nonetheless, uh, ready, uh, for them to go back to school, especially with how the last school year was. So, and I think my kids are ready too. uh, so thank God for so hopefully,
1: that. Yeah. Hopefully. So, folks we haven't, we haven't done this for a few, for a few uh, episodes here, but we definitely would love for you to have, I mean always we do talk about this. We'd love for you to connect with us. You now info at thinkorphan.com. You can, you can email me, Phil at Providenceworld.com and, and you know those are things we'd love to hear from you on what actually it's pdark at Providenceworld.com. Sorry about that. But we'd love to hear from you on what you're learning what you're struggling with, questions you have, people you'd love to hear on the podcast. We love to be able to engage with you and engage this conversation well beyond the podcast. The other thing we would love to have you do is rate and review the show. If you like this, if you've learned from it, you know first of all, share it with others because that's really the number one way this show gets out there to others is you sharing it with people that you think it will help. But also the rating and review it it helps to get it out to other people. It helps people to be able to understand what this is all about and to hear it from people other than me and Brandon, um, just sharing it with them. So those are two ways that we can absolutely help to get this out to more people. And I know it's helped a lot of people so far, and I just thank the Lord for that. And hopefully it's helping you. And if it is, then hopefully you can help to help others as well. So with that, Brandon, who do we have today?
2: Well, today I'm really excited to welcome Pastor Evans Baggs from Port City Community Church in Wilmington, North Carolina. And uh, I reached out to to Pastor Evans uh, after being introduced to him by our friends at Faith the Action in a recent webinar. Um, one of the things that we're gonna get into in this conversation was a is a report that uh, Faith to Action did alongside Changing the Way We Care and the Barna Group. Of course, uh those of us evangelicals were, we're well familiar with the Barna Group, a, a leading research um outfit uh that has really helped us understand a lot of different things um when it comes to Christian culture, evangelical culture, or even just society at large. Uh just the utmost respect for the people over at Barna Group, led by David Kinneman. Um but uh, faith action recently did a study with them and I got to hear from pastor Evans. Um, and we're just going to kind of learn a little bit about what does it look like for a missions pastor, um, to, uh, And the church's piece, really, when it comes to global OVC care, um, you know, we've been talking uh, a bit more uh, this season in particular around care reform. So, um, you know, that's been something that they've even been thinking through as a church. And it's one of those pieces that uh, is really critical. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Faith to Action Study, but really also just get a get a. A clear view on what this actually looks like at the at the church level um, from a from a guy that that is an adoptive father and a pastor, uh, a guy that loves his wife and kids and uh, loves the congregation that he gets to serve and and loves uh, kids in the global south um, and and finding ways to to support and bless them. So, uh, really excited to hear from Evans this morning.
1: Fantastic. Well, let's get to it. Evans, how are you doing? Welcome to the Think Orphan podcast. We are so excited to have you here with us today.
0: Oh man, it is a it is a privilege to be here. Thank you guys so much for uh, allowing me to come on the podcast with y'all.
1: Yeah, so one of the things I love about the way we do this now is you have no idea how we introduced you, but I, I know you can you can trust that Brandon did it justice, and he probably <laughs> introduced you better than you would have introduced yourself. Because I know people right now, I have a feeling they're really excited to hear what you have to share with oh, us. Oh man, as am I. So you oh, know, not to not to set it up too high. I mean, really, it's I think you're going to hit it and exceed the expectations right now. So oh, I'm, I'm really oh. looking forward to hearing from you, and really just oh, you know what we're talking about. What we talk with all our guests. Is what is God doing in and through your life? What is God? How is God using you in the community that you're in? So hopefully, it will be able to help others to work in their communities they're in, to help orphan and vulnerable children, to help all those that really come into their midst um, to love them better and to love them well. So, um, with that, you know, can you just share? We want always one of my favorite parts of this show is hearing, you know, people's story, just really a little bit about you, your family. Um, you know, your story and how you got to be where you are today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I I grew up in Southeast Georgia uh, with my mother and brother. Uh, we lived in a little town just outside of Savannah, Georgia for pretty much my whole life. Went to school there. School had, you know, 70 people in my graduating class, kind of one of those really small, uh, small town feels. And I um, yeah, and my, my life there, living with my mother, mother was great. Uh, my, my father lived in Southwest Georgia, and we would go visit him. So, you know, my parents were divorced, but we still had a great relationship and had a um, good time seeing them. But um, didn't didn't really grow up in the church as far as going to church or attending. Uh, my mother was so wonderful to try so hard to help my brother and I uh, to follow the Lord um, on her own. But, um, you know, we, we kind of did a lot of our own things. Uh, my brother is definitely Far more straight laced than I was uh, as a kid, so um, I got into a lot of mischief, so to speak. But uh, by God's grace, um, back uh, way back in 2005, he um, after I graduated college was working in the golf industry. uh, I went to a Bible study and and really was confronted with who Jesus is. And so in that Bible study, it it completely changed the whole way that I viewed who He was, who I thought He was. And for the next couple of years or so. Um, God has spent a lot of time breaking me down, breaking down my thoughts, um, the things I felt, the things that I thought were true, and, uh, and really rebuilding them. And um, so from that, I was able to, um, again, by his grace for sure, uh, meet my wife and get married in 2009. Uh, and then we moved out to California, to San Francisco, where I went to seminary uh, out there at Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary, which has now moved down to Southern California. But, um, but through those those kind of relationships out in California was where things kind of really shifted as far as, you know, what I was going to do. I was getting into ministry. I began going to seminary, thought about working in the local church, um, and was really beginning to learn more about orphan care and orphan ministry specifically uh, along those those lines as well. I uh, went to the CAFO Summit in 2012, and that was a very formative uh, opportunity for us as a, as a couple at the time. And so... Uh, we, we always knew that, that we wanted to adopt personally uh, as a family, and so we we ended up going down that road in 2013, and we're in the process of adopting fr- a child from Russia and actually had gone over to Russia, to St. Petersburg, and met him, um, but that ended up being the same time. We went in 2012, and at the end of 2012, it was when there was an adoption ban placed on Americans in Russia, um, so we kind of got caught in that as one of the families was about 300 of us that had gone to Russia to visit the kiddo we were hoping to bring home, but, um, unfortunately we never, never got the chance to. And that was a pretty heartbreaking experience, um, for us, but, um, it taught us so much about God's love for the, for just people in general, but, um, but the orphan for the, the child that, that is vulnerable and it, it, crashes down a lot of the savior complex that that we might have uh, in life when when God does something like that. And by his grace, again, we found out that the the kiddo that we were actually going to adopt was adopted by a Russian family, mm-hmm. which at the time was was kind of unheard of. And praise God that he's he's with the family. And um and so we're very thankful for that. But um but we've had the, the privilege of adopting um two other kiddos, both domestically one in Sacramento is where he was born in 2013. And I know Phil, that's a special place for you. And uh, so we, we adopted him there and then moved to Wilmington, North Carolina, where we are now uh, at the end of 2015, for me to take a, a position at Fort City Community Church, where I am now, where I oversee our uh, mobilization efforts, kind of our missions efforts, global and local uh, as a church here too. And then during that time in 2016, we were able to adopt our second kiddo. Uh, he was born here and... Um, man, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. So our kids are seven and four right now. And we have, uh, we were with both of them when they were born and very thankful to have been just used by God uh, in that way to, to be their parents. And um, they're both boys and they're both wild and, but I'm very thankful, very thankful for them. And just kind of how God has used so many different things in our lives to, to put us where we are in in Wilmington, North Carolina right now. Yeah.
1: That's so cool. I just hear all these different things that I can relate with. I mean, firsthand, we, we're technically we're still in the adoption process from China. We started in two thousand six, um, because we've never pulled out of it. But you know, the likelihood of that actually happening probably is not very, very high. Um, we just kept having biological children, but we just feel God did not call us to do that. But to see how God does put us into certain things to introduce into our lives things that we might not have otherwise ever thought about. And I really see that as absolute. And I see that in your story too. I've seen that in so many others stories. And that's one of the things I, like I said, I love hearing that because hopefully there's people listening who are needing to hear that, you know, like it it doesn't always look how you want it to look boy. You know what God's working. And hopefully, God, you're going to be able to see what God is showing you in the midst of these times that in the middle of them, they're no fun, right? It's like, right. why? Oh, yeah. why, God, right? With that Russia situation, it's like, what the heck? All this right. time you put into this, this energy and this kid, now what? He's not going to get love. And then all of a sudden you see what the plan was, right? So yeah. amazing story. How cool is that? All right. So, you know, the next thing I, we, we love having you, on. I love having pastors on to be able to talk about how God's working in you, in your church, through your church to, to love the orphan and the vulnerable, you know, and something, it often seems like an easy answer, like, oh yeah, of course it's a, it's a no brainer, but it's really not a no brainer. And it's something I want to talk about right now, which is, what do you feel as a pastor? As someone who has been more involved and in getting more deep, more and more deeper involved in the orphan care, both personally and and as a pastor, in um, caring for the orphan and the vulnerable. But what do you feel is the role of the American church in engaging the nations with gospel centered ministries?
0: Yeah, I think it's. I mean, God has given us so many resources, and that's that's people. That's obviously financial opportunities as well. And so the local church in America has been blessed in that way, you know, beyond, beyond measure. So how do we take that to the nations? And that's kind of the thing, like, what is our role uh, in that? And I think our role is to, to come in humbly and and also realizing that while we have the resources, we have all these people and all this stuff, most Christians don't live in America. They don't live here. So how can we as a, a church who has the ability to maybe bring some some resources of education um, some um, understanding and learning that we've had to the global church and then allow them to be the ones to take the gospel into their areas, into their country. So that it doesn't have a, you know, we're going to come do it. We're going to come lead it. We're going to, no, that's, it can't be that like our hearts have to be humble because we didn't, we didn't do anything. Uh, It's just the way that, that God has just placed me here in this position and in this spot. And I think as a pastor, you know, our role is to shepherd, our role is to tend the sheep and to shepherd God's sheep for him. And and I take a great, I think, responsibility on how can I help shepherd the people that God has placed uh, you know, really in in my purview here at at Fort City. And there's a lot of folks that that come to our church. And I'm the mobilization pastor, not the lead pastor, but that gives me the opportunity to help influence the, the lead pastor, to, to talk to him, to talk to the discipleship pastor and and bring these things that I'm learning um, about global orphan care to them and help them leverage their influence as well um, throughout our church. Because we, we can get stuck doing the same things over and over and over again, uh, or we can really take a hard look at what is the American role. And I think it's got a ton of, of humility and that we've got to be able to leverage and use what God has given us uh, humbly to take it to the nations and then allow them to do the work of reaching their own people and caring for their own people and how how we support in that. Um, you know, it looks a lot different maybe than it did 10 years ago. I know it looks a lot different here than it did uh, 10 years ago and, and even partnering directly with local churches in in other areas and then being able to bring that out so that our people see that. We want them to be able to see that partnership is happening. It's not us going on a short-term mission, going to go do all this work. Man, we are going to partner with local churches mm-hmm. and help them as they begin to reach their people with the gospel. They begin to care for their families uh, as well. So I think that's a that's a big role, I think, that we have to play uh, here as the, the the North American church, the Western church, how we want to look at it.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things I've, I've talked a lot about with people is just what does it look like to have a humble learning posture anywhere is what it is to have a humble learning posture everywhere right so in our Mm -hmm. own backyard it's the same as wherever we're going and if in our own backyard we're learning and taking a step back and going i don't understand why i would be doing anything different otherwise right so yeah that's that you know so what? how can god teach us and the stuff i've learned with that posture has been amazing and if i would have gone in thinking i knew everything i never would have seen them so what do you think brandon
2: no I, I totally agree. I think that that humility piece is is, is absolutely critical and, and, and one of the things that you mentioned there Evans, I think is sometimes kind of overlooked is that actually the, the, the there's more Christians outside of the US We're not necessarily really, especially now we're not the center of, of what God's doing in the world. you know they're, they're, the, I living in Tanzania, uh, you see so many faithful, Christians, uh, that are just pouring their hearts out and, and it's an opportunity not only for us to, to learn, but just, um, to just be brothers and sisters, um, you know, uh, in, in a kingdom that goes far beyond, the boundaries of this is the U S and this is Kenya. And this is, you know, wherever um, God's kingdom doesn't have those boundaries and our affiliation and association with one another as believers is so much more important, so much stronger, so much more beautiful. So the, the, what, what you bring up there as far as, you know, there's more Christians out there and we just need to figure out how to be brothers and sisters, you know, is, is kind of how I, how I see that. And, you know um, obviously you're familiar with, with the podcast and, you know, this is all about orph- and vulnerable children, and and you, um, aside from you know uh, bringing permanency to your own kids and and adopting them in, which is just such a beautiful expression of Romans eight, Galatians three and four, um, you know, you're also overseeing these global outreach initiatives at the church, which includes you know ministries with with orphan and vulnerable children. So. Um, you haven't, as you mentioned, you were in San Francisco at one point for a seminary, and then you came into uh, your current role at Port City Community Church. Um, You know, what did that role look like when you first stepped in as it pertains to orphans and vulnerable children and kind of the different ministries that you guys were connected to? Um, What did it look like when you stepped in, you know, several years ago and then you know, how has your view and then even the church's view progressed over time when it when it comes to, to OVC uh, work and ministries?
0: Yeah, so when I got on staff uh, in January 2016, um, it was it looked vastly different. So our church uh, ended up starting a beginning of partnership uh, with a local pastor in Kenya. Uh, back in way back in 2002 and our church has only been around since 1999 so it was really something formative within our church it's part of its dna and through the time frame from 02 to when i came in in 2016 and began to learn more about it i mean that was that was the thing that w- that we did uh, as a local church it was we had a sponsorship program we had built uh, group homes both uh, secondary and primary group homes and then had done many different opportunities, uh, working with street kids there, bringing them in, but um, anything and everything you can kind of think of in the process in, in between then too. Uh, but ultimately when I got here, that's kind of where it was and learning about the group home, I went to, to Kenya. That was the first thing they wanted me to do uh, in April. So I've been on staff for three four, four months and went to, to Nakuru, Kenya, and was able to meet the pastor there and see the, the group home that we supported. And, um, I I think at the time I just didn't, I didn't know anything about anything. I was learning so much and it was so much just coming at me, coming at me. And, and I stepped foot there and I remember walking around and seeing and thinking, you know, what, what is exactly going on here? What, what is this? Um, and so that was kind of the deep dive I needed to do to, to learn about it, uh, much deeper, um, than, than kind of what I had coming in. Cause I had a cursory knowledge coming in and I knew some things I'd learned from some really good teachers um, before he before then but then actually physically seeing it and then thinking all right well this is now my responsibility to help shepherd our church uh in this is this the best thing that we should do but again we had um I mean, we had a sponsorship program three sponsors per kid so that's a lot of folks we had over 100 children there and uh, college children and and all these things that, that were going on with it so it was a it was a big deal. It was the deal uh, of what we did as a church. And so I had to learn a lot about that. And, and and, man, over the past four years uh, of working through that ministry and asking a lot of questions and making a ton of mistakes uh, along the way, I just began to see more and more that, that we as a local church have this responsibility to, to, to do what you see God's plan of people of children and families And that, that was the main thing. And that was not the process of what we had going on where we were. Uh, It was going to be, it was permanency in the group home um, where they were being even adopted by um, some of the staff, but living, living there. Um, And and whether the, it it was, you know, a a beautiful orphanage, because I've seen those, I've been to those group homes are like, oh man, they are incredible. Look how pretty they are. Look at all this stuff. Uh, It's still not home. And I think that was one of the things that really landed on me was like, was how do we bring home into this? But we called it a home, but it, it wasn't a home. And yeah. so, um, yeah, so it was a hard, long kind of process that we've been going through for the past few years to to transition away from that. And there were a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of that that pain. Um, but we just knew that this was the way we needed to go. And how could we do that well um, as well as possible? And so that's kind of what we've we've been doing for the past four or five years. It's just learning and learning and trying to work with that, um, that organization there to see how we can, we can bring more family care into it.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's so uh, good to kind of hear as, as you, um, you know, stepping into your role, but it was really kind of getting, on the ground there to really kind of see like, you know, what is this all about and ask and and actually asking the good questions. Right. And, and, you know, that idea of home, I mean, I work for 1 million homes. So like, that's, (laughs) that's a very uh, significant, uh, you know, concept for us as well. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I thought about, you know, there's group homes, congregate care, there's orphanages, there's institutions, and, um, there's all, there could be nuances between these different, you know, residential care, you know, type of facilities. But one of the ones that we use regularly is referred as a children's home. You know, that's, that's a very common euphemism. You know, this is a children's home. I used to work at a children's home, you know, and, um, it's an interesting kind of a thought on your word because where should kids ideally be growing up? It's not in a children's home, but in a parent's home, you know, (laughs) like, like, like my kids live in a parent's home because there's parents here. And as you kind of stepped into you know, what was handed to you with this, you know, legacy partnership in Kenya, um, you know, you had to kind of kick the tires on that thing. And this is a, this is not uncommon. And one of the things that we definitely want to highlight, and you guys uh, will find these links in the show notes, uh, for think orphan, but, um, our friends at faith to action, uh, uh, partnered with the Barna group, um, to do this, uh, study that, that really, um, kind of highlighted uh, people in the situation that you were in right uh, uh, stepping in as as a uh, pastor uh, of this ministry as a Christian um, you know what is the role that we're playing when it comes to the, these residential, Uh, care facilities. Um, And I just wanted to kind of highlight a few things. And again, you guys uh, are friends at Faith to Action. We've had Ellie on, we've had uh, Sarah on before. Um, So just fantastic work that, that Faith to Action initiative is doing. But this study, um, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, there are some pretty striking kind of figures. Um, uh, The one that kind of jumps out. um, Now, you guys had a budget at your church that was devoted. You guys also had um, individuals that were giving directly through a sponsorship program. All of these things accumulate, right? And this is one church in North Carolina. It's a good-sized church, but it's just one church. Just one, right. And uh the projected amount of donations from Christian individuals annually to support residential care, according to the study from Faith to Action and Barna Group, is $3.3 billion annually. I mean, that's is is really remarkable. I mean, when we think about big ministries like World Vision USA or Compassion International, you add both of those up together and they're not getting up to $3 billion. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Um, the projected number of Christians reporting to have gone on a trip to visit an orphanage or a children's home is, is 4 million. And when they have gone into those short-term missions trips, they are far more likely statistically, according to this study to be long-term supporters. So it really is kind of a, an industry that's been developed around, um, you know, people like Evans and, and the child sponsors from your guys's church Mm -hmm. and, and for you guys and for you as a leader within that, um, you know, you recognized, Hey, we really got to kind of test this out and, and, you know, we don't need to get into the details of course, but, but there is this, uh, when we are partnering there is this piece around, Hey, if we're partnering, there also needs to be accountability, right? So for you guys as church leaders, um, you know, kind of testing this out, um, you know, seeing what's the good, what's the bad. Cause there's always a mix, right? Um, what, what does accountability look like? between supporting churches like like what you guys have been doing and these global ministries Um, and it doesn't even have to be orphanages it could just be kind of more general than that Um, and is accountability is it is it feasible and if so what does that look like i mean from your guys's experience
0: yeah i mean that's a that's a main point of what we try to do with accountability here because at the end of the day if if we as a local church have a missions budget and we're taking that money and we're giving it to to organizations I mean, A, that's we're managing God's money. It's all his. Um, and B, that's money that people have given to us to steward on on behalf of them. So we're, we're working as the steward of their money. And man, we have to take that so seriously um, personally, but even at the, at the church I'm at too. And so that was part of the thing with seeing the amount of money that we were sending over there and thinking, wow, are we are we doing the best even with our people uh, and their hearts and what they do and what they think is good? but with their money. Um, and so accountability financially is huge. And so we've, we've definitely shifted into a position of accountability where we, we do partner with, I nonprofits in the States that may work overseas, that may help overseas um, organizations like World Orphans or Agape Children's Ministry, so that you have the financial accountability here in the U.S. of a nonprofit status so that we can see where the money goes. Um, when they publish those reports, those reports are readily available. They, you can, you have to be able to get them. And so being able to get those things are so important for us. So then we know exactly where the money's going, but, um, we like to have in our, in our church, we'll have conversations with, Oh man, I don't even know how often, probably four or five times, six, maybe six times a year with reps and just kind of talking with them, the people that just I've gotten to know and, financial accountability is there, but also just relational accountability. How are you guys working? How are things going? It's kind of what we, it's the same thing we do with our missionaries. When we send them overseas, um, we don't just leave them or, and we also don't just allow them to to give us a a quarterly report or something like that. We want to actually talk to them. And so we have conversations uh, every six to eight weeks with our missionaries that are overseas. And so we do the same, similar thing with organizations uh, to make sure that that accountability is there and that we are the local church meeting put in this place to, to manage our missions budget. And our vision for missions is actually making sure the money's going where we say it is. Um, and if it's not, then we've got to be able to know, we've got to make those hard decisions. And, you know, with our, with our work in Kenya, not the money was being mismanaged. It was just, it was, it was hard to have some accountability, uh, yeah. in that. And so, um, when we began to, to kind of pull away and look at other organizations, we're like, no, one of the requirements we're going to have to have is we're going to have to have something with a U.S. nonprofit status that we know that we can, that will be held accountable by, by, by the United States, by our government, but also we have access to be able to hold them accountable as well. So, um, you know, and again, that's just kind of the financial piece. And that's usually the first thing I'll, I'll think of when I think accountability, but yeah. you know, mission drift is a very real thing and making yeah. sure that we're staying on top of this, uh, and not all churches are going to be like the church I'm in. I mean, I've worked in a church in San Francisco. There was three of us and I was the missions guy, but I was also the, the entire church finance guy and the IT and HR and, you know, youth ministry, kind of whatever hat, uh, the associate pastor and the lead pastor wanted me to wear on that day, uh, which was fine. But understanding, like, I, I get that it can't happen. It may not happen as often because you may not have a person who has their eyes on sure. these organizations all the time. Um, whereas in our church, We we do, you know, that's my role, Um, but it's finding the right people that can and who do want to um, in the church. If it's not a bigger church, um, who's on your missions team, here are the people that can make sure that things are going in the right direction Um, just so you don't lose sight of that because it can get so easy, especially we just stay so busy uh, in other realms. and, And most, most, most churches are not as big like this as they can have, you know, that many staff kind of put on one thing. Um, but we've got to make sure that we're, that we're doing it. So I definitely think it's possible. And I think it's, I mean, it's necessary. I mean, if we want to stand before the Lord and say, this is how we were accountable to our people. this is what we did with your, with your lambs, you know, we're going to give that account. I think it's vitally important. Absolutely. That that we're asking the hard questions.
2: Absolutely. And and it makes me think even of, you know, the parable that Jesus, you know, shares about the, about the talents, right? Talents. What did you do with it? What did, what did you do with it? And, and and how do you actually know, you know, what you did with it? And it's, it's not our recommendations. (laughs) It's not our recommendation section yet, but one thing just for our listeners, you know, for me as, as somebody that, um, you know, uh, oversees a community of practice of these different organizations, you know, vetting organizations is something that is like so common for me and for you as well when you're looking at missions uh, uh opportunities and and global ministries to jump into um for me it is also a lot easier i agree when they have um an american facing uh nonprofit and one thing that everybody can do um there's these websites guide star and Charity Navigator, um, you can go and check the 990 forms for organizations yep. that that you guys are involved with. Um, and you know, for as somebody that works for a nonprofit, that's a vulnerable thing for me to say, but at the same time, we actually need that transparency. We need that accountability. So I would actually recommend that people do exactly that because we need to have that, um, especially for us as faith-based organizations, where ultimately it's not just about you know if the donor is is pleased really it's about if god is pleased um and when you check those 990 forms on charity navigator or guide star um you can see well where did they put the money you know did they put the money into that program like they said they did or you know you can check that kind of stuff so um it's really important to to do that um, One thing i'd
1: say on that too yeah go ahead is Phil. to really to go beyond the guide star and charity navigator as well so, if you're really wanting to partner with a ministry to understand what their success metrics are as well, because do their success metrics line up with yours? And, you know, again, and I would say biblical, right? So, when I say yours, hopefully that's biblical success metrics, right? Is it simply, oh, the kids graduated from high school, therefore we're successful, right? Or is it, they understand the gospel. Is it that they, you know, are leaders in their communities? Is it that they are building families? What is the success metric? Are they even measuring that, right? Yeah. So those are th- those are things, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that, Evans. As far as as a church, are you doing that? How are you doing that? What does that look like? Because again, you don't want to say we're right, you're wrong, but at the same time, there are things that are are critical to gospel ministry. That if the ministries are just simply going through motions or doing things to look good on an annual report or on GuideStar or on Charity Navigator, which can be done and numbers can sure. be manipulated to look a certain way. How are you able to, as a church, be able to do your homework without micromanaging organizations you're partnering with?
0: Yeah. Every, every year when we're sitting down with organizations and kind of talking with them through it, we do what, what, where are we both headed, you know, in this, what is it, what is the goal? So as a, An example with agape children's ministry when we started working with them it was okay you guys are doing work in katali and kasumu kenya and that's great and we want to see if we can come alongside that but then where's the partnership going to go next well we actually have they have an idea of working in nakuru kenya well that's pretty amazing because that's where we were and we want to stay in that area so it gives us the accountability of saying of me getting in touch with chris page on their staff and being in touch with him and saying how are things going with Nakuru? So it's so relational, I think, that that you know someone on the staff of, of, of the organization. And that can be an American. It doesn't matter necessarily. It's just who's the, who's the right person that needs to be, um, whether they're in the, the office in the U.S., maybe more likely they're not. Uh, they're over there on the ground kind of seeing what's going on um, on a day-to-day basis. But I think that's that's been really helpful to, for us because we'll kind of set that out beginning of the year uh, so we're we're in budget season now. So we're looking at what are we going to do for 2022? Where's our money going to go? And that's having those conversations of we have an allotment of of money that we we are going to spend and we'd like to spend, you know, with an organization to support them. But it's knowing exactly what we're going to do with that money. Um, so when we partner with church planting organizations among unreached people groups, we do that, and we know where the five church planters that we're going to support are going to be, and we want to get metrics from them. And, and those, those can be what they can be for different organizations, but we try to partner ones that will give us really good ones. Um, and it's not like, well, we had 50 salvations or we planted eight church. It's more of like, how is the gospel going? How faithful are you being the, the Lord's going to call people and how faithful are you? So it's kind of the same thing with, with other organizations with vulnerable children and families, how are they being faithful with what they've been given and whether or not they have these outrageous numbers. That's not necessarily the goal. That's what you want. Like you want to see growth and all this change, but are they being faithful? And so ultimately I think it's relationship. It's knowing that the people that you're working with in a really trusted way. Um, And by that, it's been really cool for me because I've become friends with so many of these folks that, you know, these organizations we work with, they'll come visit and they'll stay at our house. They'll spend the night with my family. And like, that's a big deal. Um, for people that we've just met, maybe on a zoom call or on a, on a phone call, but we've gotten to know each other so well when they come here, uh, it looks, it looks different. It is part of the family of God. So I think that's a big thing into accountability too,
1: is, is knowing them. Absolutely. I think that's critical. Absolutely critical.
2: Yeah. And I, and I just think, you know, even kind of what you were talking to as well, Phil, you know, um, what you count counts. I know that's kind of a little cliche, but, um, if people aren't monitoring what they're doing, um, or what they're counting, um, you know, you kind of just have to wonder, you know, well, what, what's really being done. So, um, anyways, you know, one of the things that I heard you talk about, uh, Evans, when you were in the faith to action webinar, um, and again, people, please go check out the study. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was kind of this sense of lament over some of the past engagement. Now, um, again, we're not going to get into the nitty gritty of anything because we always want to honor and bless. Um, but there was, as you had said earlier, you know, where you guys are now, is different than where you were in 2016, right? So there's been a five-year period of kind of just some reevaluation, some changes, um, and wanting to make sure that you're getting behind God's, you know, initial uh, desire, which is for kids to be in family. Wanting to make sure that there's accountability, all of these things have kind of um, kind of co- uh, uh, coursed a new path. I don't know if I said that right. Uh, you know, it's kind of driven a new path, uh, a new course of action for you guys. Um, but there's also that sense of lament over over past engagement, you know, for the for the church or for individuals. Um, but at the same time, you have kind of a new sense of excitement for what the future missions um, will look like for, for the church, um, for you individually, for, uh, some of the people that had been sponsoring children and, and so forth. So can you just share a little bit about that contrast, that lament and that excitement, um, and what actually gives you hope, uh, for the church's role in global outreach?
0: Yeah, it's the, the lament thing is hard because no one, I mean, (laughs) we don't always want to sit and sit in that and lament over it. Um, but I think as we do lament and say, man, we, we may have missed a few things here and there. We can always rely on the fact that God is sovereign over all of this. And there were good things that came out of what happened uh, with the ministry uh, that our church supports. It was not, you know, that God was not in control, that he was still sovereign. And there were wonderful people that did wonderful work through that. Um, and so, but you still lament because, you know, there were misses in there uh, and, and I think it's good to just sit there and say, man, we missed it. But Lord, thank you. Because part of that lament is just giving it back and saying, thank you for the fact that you are sovereign, you're good, and we can trust you. And then moving moving forward, you know, you I think it's really cool just seeing the some of the traction that this is getting, this kind of movement, uh, seeing different organizations, you know, Faith to Action, Christian Orphans, One Million Home. Uh, there's so many people that I think are seeing this and getting that groundswell moving gives me a ton of a ton of hope um, because the, the information is out there. It's just, we've got to help educate those of us one by one as God's kind of picking us off and showing us this stuff. How do we, we have to make sure that we're going to take it with us because we've seen it, we've heard it. So now we're responsible to go to someone else with it. Um, and so I think it's great that I have seen churches, and I'm getting the chance to talk to other churches, and and just give this view and stand on stage here. Like I actually got a chance to do it last week, and um, kind of in one of those announcement segments, and and just give this vision for uh, eight, nine hundred people for them to see. Like, oh, there's a there's a different way that we can do this. Um, So to me, it's it's exciting because I see this groundswell that's like coming along, and it's move it's moving. And with, with COVID and the things that have happened there, the resets that ministries are taking, but also being very aware that there's so many orphans, you know, the, the Lancet put out a study that had over 1.3 million orphans, um, that have been, that have come from COVID, whether that's a double orphan or a single, but they've lost their primary caregiver or parent, um, There's going to be a lot of people with good intentions that are going to want to run to start orphanages and build orphanages through that. And I think we as local church can say, thank you, but no, there's another Mm -hmm. way that we can come alongside and there's good organizations that are out there doing this work. And then we can say, we're going to partner with them uh, to see families try to, you know, made whole again um, through this. And these children are not going to end up in institutional care. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's as usual, folks. There's so much good stuff that has been shared through this interview. You know, I encourage you to go back, listen. But before you do that, even go back and and go and check out that Barna study again. It will be in the show notes. Check it out, look through it, and then listen again with that in mind, and so you see kind of this isn't just out of whole cloth. We're not just making this stuff up. I think you meant charting a new course there, Brandon, by the way, but we're trying a new <laughs> path, but that's okay. You're coursing a new my, path. You're, my you're...
2: mind was thinking in Swahili. I don't hey, know what exactly. to do. I can't
1: turn it off. Yeah. You can always <laughs> use that excuse. That's not fair. I want to, I want to have that excuse. Um, but, uh, and maybe you just coined a new term who knows. Um, but, uh, you know, these are things that, you have a different perspective than a lot of us do, right? I mean, and, and I think we're all looking at these issues from different perspectives and that's so important in all of this. Mm-hmm. It's why Brandon and I are so huge on collaboration and, it's, and I know you are too, Evans, just from this conversation, right? Even talking about the relationships to be in a relationship with somebody, then you know when they're doing right. things that are solid, you know when they're struggling, you know when maybe things aren't quite, above board because you're in relationship as we are here in our communities here in the United States or wherever you live around the world. You know that when you're in relationship with people, you understand when they're hurting, you understand when they're thriving, and you can hopefully help them to, you know, get out of those ruts and continue spurring them on to love and good deeds when they are thriving. So those are all things that I strongly encourage you folks to go back and listen. But, you know, we aren't done yet, though. That's the good news. This is always kind of bittersweet as we come close to the end to have these last couple questions. The sweet is we get to hear the answers. The bitter is we are almost done. But the last couple questions we ask everybody and now we get to hear your answers. But the first is, what have you watched, read or listened to that has impacted your thinking on how? we can love orphan and vulnerable children with excellence
0: yeah listen to i mean there's a really good podcast it's called the think orphan podcast <laughs> and i would highly recommend that for people to listen up. To.
1: it's yeah, overrated just, it's overrated. i, know, that's I just okay. want to come back
0: that's, right. all that's all right is. <laughs> like, oh, let, me, let me be on again no it really is good i uh, uh, i really have appreciated so much um, over the past few months and years really listening to the to the podcast but um reading uh you mentioned it earlier, but the Faith to Action Initiative, uh, it's it's research and it's like their summary of faith-based research and things like that. So it's it's not necessarily a book, uh, but oh my goodness, you start reading into the work that Faith to Action has done mm-hmm. and seeing how they've compiled this in ways that is digestible. And you can read it, and you can understand it, and you can see that it's sci- that it's studies that support this. Um, that has been the number one thing that has shaped my view. Uh, on this in the past few years was seeing the fact that you, you kind of intuitively know it, that children belong in families, right? Like we know that, but all we've known is most of what we've known is the orphanage model. Kids are on the street, bring them in an institution, let's keep them there. But where's the back end of that? How are we measuring what's happening to these kids? And, and in the back of our, our mind, we probably know, well, it's probably not great. Um, you know, I've been to orphanages in China and Russia and have seen from the kids as they've left some of the things that they've been, that they've gone through and you've heard from the care, I've heard from the caregivers and stuff. So reading things from faith to action that show what difference it can make in a kid's life and in a community's life, when children are reunited with their biological family or there's, there's kinship care, there's so many, there's foster care. There's so many different options when you're thinking globally, that that actually are more normal than we may think. But Faith to Action Initiative, I would encourage anyone to go on their website, look under their resources uh, and check out, you know, their summary of research, um, the continuum of care, those sort of things helped us move uh, forward into the ways that we knew we needed to as a church. Uh, And also one other one, the Christian Alliance for Orphans, their research center has got a a lot of resources as well. Um, And one of them that was particularly helpful for us Uh, for me personally was it's called guidelines for healthy sponsorship programs Mm -hmm. and it lays out what those should look like and what what really good ones can because they're going to still exist probably and if they do let's at least do them well and see where we're going to go maybe as maybe we transition maybe we don't but um that that was really helpful for me because we knew that if we're going to have a sponsorship program how are we going to do it well uh, moving forward to, but then it talks about how do you transition donors out of that? And KFO research does that as well. And so those are super helpful for me as I was, as I was really kind of immersing myself in this once I, cause I got it so much, through my front doorstep in 2016.
1: Yeah. Well, folks, I mean that, that you, you point to something there, there's no shortage of really, really good r- resources out there. There are so many amazing resources and hopefully we can get them more into people's hands who need them. So definitely faith to action, phenomenal stuff. KFO um, is producing phenomenal stuff World without orphans, phenomenal stuff. There's so much out there. If you need help navigating that, um, you know, Brandon is a great resource for that. I know that something that you can reach out to him and 1 million home, they're connecting people with resources all over the world yeah. phenomenally as are faith to action. And World without orphans and CAFO and you know I can connect you with people too um so those are things that don't sit there paralyzed and going I don't have the stuff because it's there we can but sometimes it is paralyzing because there is so much of it yeah. and um but I do encourage you definitely those those couple things that Evans talked about they're fantastic you know there's a lot there so if you need to even go into those websites a little bit of help navigating there's people who can help you do that so don't don't hesitate sure. to reach out um, all right, man. Last question. What person has most impacted your thinking on how we can love orphan and vulnerable children with excellence?
0: Well, it's a good question. I've been thinking about this one um, as I've watched on your podcast. And it's a couple of different folks, really. Um, one, honestly, it's it's my wife. Um, the way that I've watched her love vulnerable children uh, and orphans, even in our own life, uh, has been Incredible. So I think her example has softened my heart. I'm a, I'm an analytical type a kind of dude, and I'm ready to just go do something. Um, but she has softened my heart by God, by him working through her to really have a heart that cares for those around me that are vulnerable and orphaned, um, foster care, even in new Hanover County where I live, you know, it's, it's something that she has shown just the softness and the heart that that she has. Um, but then kind of thinking outside of that bubble, um, the talk that I went to in 2012 from Peter Greer, uh, who's the CEO of, of Hope International, he has written some really good stuff um, on orphans and caring for them. And uh, Jed Medifin is also a, a, good, a good resource mm-hmm. as well. Love listening um, to him as well. So those those are two guys that I don't know. Uh, But whereas I do know my wife, so uh, the three of them kind of collectively in different different ways have been very helpful um, for me as I've just really needed to cultivate a heart for it, um, as well as a mind for it. So,
1: so, yeah, I I don't know your wife, but I do know Jed and Peter. And I will tell okay. you, they're the, they're the real deal too. Yeah. Um, I, I I know that you will always love your wife more than them. So that that's a good <laughs> thing. Um, so sure. she's the one you definitely need to know personally, but the other two that's are right. fantastic, real deal. What they're saying is what they're doing and what they mean. So they're actually, I think if I remember correctly, I met Peter for the first time at the 2012. So was that the one at Saddleback? Yeah. First? yeah, yeah. So like, that's where yeah. I met Peter for the first time. He's become a great friend and I've uh, been on the show three times. One of the one of the few. Yeah. Brandon and Peter Greer actually now Brandon's more so Brandon's beating him, but that's his co-host. But actually, <laughs> as guests, they they hold the record. So you know, maybe we can do that too with you. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if you can you can push that with them. But they're great <laughs> folks. Um. So thanks again, Evans, for uh, being a part of this. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for all that you're doing. So much appreciate it. Look forward to the day I can meet you in person. Um. Uh, so hopefully. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, once again, we had a great guest. So, you know, Brandon, I know you—you're the one who kind of brought Evans into the fold with uh, for the podcast, and I'm so glad you did. What did you think about uh, what he had to share?
2: I I just loved it. I mean, I I love the opportunity to put flesh on these concepts. Um, you know, the the Barna study um, that we've been referring to is is awesome, but you know it represents actual people that are actually engaging. And Evans, I just feel is one of those people that has been, you know, we talked about humility and learning um, and being open to being on a journey. I mean, that's discipleship, right? Um, You know, all of us, you know, you mentioned your guys' experience uh, with the adoption process in China. You know, I've talked a lot about how I felt God calling me to go run an orphanage, Mm -hmm. you know, all of us, there's a starting point, but there's also a growth and a discipleship. Um, so I, I just love the way that he really puts flesh onto these things. Um, and you know, we're on a a discipleship path. We're on a growth and learning, um, path. So yeah, just loved connecting with Evans, just such a, such a great guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what, what stuck out to you, Phil.
1: Oh, I mean, all the stuff you talked about, I I, I shared a lot of it during, you know, honestly, I just had things that popped into my head and, you know. I thought I'd share them a little bit during the, uh, during the interview. So you can go back and listen to a lot of my thoughts just by going back and listening. One of the sure. things I want to mention while we're on it, I was thinking about that when we were talking about summit is this was probably releasing right when summit is mm-hmm. happening in uh, Cincinnati, uh, Ohio this year. And so hopefully, you know, if you're listening to this after, you know, it releases, then obviously it's already passed. But if you're listening to this the day it releases and you're going to KFO or you're, you know, thinking if you're in the area and you're like, Oh man, I didn't even know what's happening. Well, Go, you know, you can show up and, and go if, if you're interested, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are, you're going to be interested in the KFO summit. But the other thing I, I want to read, if you are there, or you're going and you, you find us, you know, connect with us, send us an email, you know, I said the email earlier in the episode, it's going to be in the show notes, it's on the It's on the podcast the website. So reach out to us and say, Hey, I'd love to, love to meet you for coffee or something. If we have time, we'll make it happen. So um, love to always love doing that. Some of my good friends have come from this heck Brandon's one of them, right? So have come from doing just that, reaching out on this podcast and saying, Hey, I'd love to connect. And we do, and then we become good friends. It's just the way it happens. So hopefully um, we can do some of that, but, uh, but with, with Evans though, I mean, just really, I love his We talked about that posture of humility, the posture of learning, right? Honestly, like if that's all you take away from this, that's huge. We talk about it all. That's why we do this podcast, right? I've learned so much from the guests on this show. Hopefully you have too. I've learned so much just about, I mean, this show has humbled me in so many ways, you know, learning things I don't know, just meeting people who are incredible. And you know what? No one even knows who they are. Right. And so those are things that I just love how Evans is talking about that. That idea of accountability is, is huge, yes. But to ensure that we're keeping them and holding them accountable, things that are really eternal, are biblical, are not just things that we think are the right way to do it. In fact, I just had this conversation earlier today about something about Honduras, the organization or the community that my organization, Providence, used to oversee. And we handed it off to another organization. And are they doing things exactly how I do it? No. Does it mean those things are wrong? No. Right? It's just different. Right? There are different right ways to do things. Yes, there are some wrong ways to do things. But let's not be arrogant in thinking that we know the difference between all of that. Right? Let's find out the why behind the what and have conversations about things that we have seen that, yeah, they've worked in our context. Let's find out. Can it work in the other context? Is it even right for that context? So those are things that I loved the thoughtfulness behind everything that he was talking about and the things that he was doing. I loved the the story of the the adoption. You know, like that's my story, right? We we were expecting an adoption. Turns out we had five beautiful, amazing biological children. Never adopted, but God has used that adoption story and journey to lead into 15 years of working with orphan and vulnerable children around the world. Yeah. Something I probably never would have done. Right. So God uses these things in ways that we often don't expect. And sometimes ways we expect that look different than we thought it would be. Right. So anyway, that's something that I just really took away from that. Yeah, no,
2: it's, it's awesome, man. And it's so cool. Like I've met with Evans a couple of times and some of the stuff that he just shared, I was like, I didn't even know that. I didn't know about the, uh, attempting to adopt through Russia and, and just what a beautiful to see that that kid get a family and he doesn't right. have to leave his culture. Like it's right. so much better when a kid can be adopted domestically, you know? Yep. Um, so just, just so cool. So, so much coming out of that story. And again, just that posture is, is really critical. So yeah. yeah. Love the conversation with
1: Evans. All right, dude. So now we have uh, Dr. Brandon, you know, I'm <laughs> calling you doctor, you know, whatever. Is going to have a recommendation, you know, because we got the recommendation section. So, what do you got for us today?
2: Yeah, Uh, doctorate, maybe someday. I'm a doc, <laughs> uh, doctor of love or something That's like right, that. Something. Yeah, Dr. Hey, Pepper, you
1: know, exactly. Dr. Dr. Jay, you doctor. know, some,
2: sometimes I don't actually have to have a doctorate to be called a doctor. <laughs> That's right. Um, exactly. anyways, um, yeah, I got one that. I have been reading, and I know you like this guy as well, um, because I've heard you refer to the podcast that he does, but Malcolm Gladwell. um, I've been reading his book, The Tipping Point, um, Mm -hmm. which came out some years ago, and uh, it is a recommended read. I'm I'm getting towards the end of it, so I'm not quite done with it, but. I've loved his podcast, gotten into a couple of his books. Uh, the tipping point is all about how do you essentially create uh, epidemics, social epidemics, not, not, good not ones. the t- no, yeah good ones, not the ones that we've been uh, dealing with the last year and a half. Um, but, you know, one of the things, and it pertains to what we were talking about today with the Barna study and with Pastor Evans and his church, um, you know, we want to see change, but how do we um achieve that how can we create kind of this big social uh, tide changing Um, and of course we see society looks different now than it did 50 years ago and so forth and some of those things are better some of those things might be worse but for us that have a vision for um, caring for orphan and vulnerable children um, when we have a heart to see kids enter family you know the things that we talk about in this podcast um when we look at wow we have you know this really big um uh involvement from even you know american christians that just want to serve orphan and vulnerable children but maybe need to go through some discovery like evans talked about how do we actually create a shift um and malcolm gladwell is not a not a christian or anything but his writing is just really um good um so and it's just an enjoyable read so um and it and it it absolutely pertains to some of these things that we've been talking about so uh malcolm gladwell the tipping point he has other good books i've read outliers and uh his podcast revisionist history uh is 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 a great one out there so um So, yeah, uh, Tipping Point, Malcolm
1: Gladwell. That's the recommendation for this week. It's a great book. Um, Actually, it's interesting. His story is really interesting, too. He grew up, you know, in a, and I believe it was a Christian home, but, and then he wrote a bunch of books and then wrote the book, David and Goliath. And he said he basically came back to faith. It's awesome. um, Came to faith through writing that book and stories and hearing different. So, it's really a cool, cool story. Um, I don't know him personally, never met him, but. Um, it's super, super interesting, uh, dude. I love that book. It really reminds me, actually, as you talk about it, go back with that and listen to the interview we did with Ian Forber Pratt back early on. I think it was like 30, 29, 30, somewhere around there. And he talked about social change and really the, the percentage really you need to impact and change is only about 20% of a society for it to actually be unstoppable as yeah.
2: an idea i love ian stuff we got to get just, him back on man yeah and well that's it's not his okay.
1: stuff that's a stanford study but he talked about it right but ian's great yeah we do there's a lot of people we need to get back on i was thinking about that the other day there's there's quite a few yeah. um boyt uh you know that uh that we we definitely need i was talking to ruslan Malusha the other day and and i need we need to get him back on because yeah. he's doing some great amazing guy. stuff now different different areas but just collaboration he is a collaborator and love that dude so anyway Love that. Love Malcolm Gladwell's stuff. He writes some amazing... If you haven't read his stuff, go read it. Um, if you're wondering what I am, I don't think you have to wonder. I'm a maven. There's no question, um, which is basically a connector. So if you need to connect with someone, if you want to connect with someone, I'd love to be able to do that. If it, I think, you know, if I were to, I can help to be a conduit with people. That's what I love doing to help facilitate flourishing in this world. So with that, that's what we love doing on this show. We really really hope that what you're ta- what you're learning from the show you're using it in the different areas that you're working with orphan and vulnerable children and that you are using everything you're learning on this show and everything that we're pointing you to to help you to love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day thanks a lot have a great couple of weeks